Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves by studying His Word. Have you seen life change through inductive Bible study? Then invite a friend and come to a workshop near you where you can learn more about how to study the Bible inductively. Interested in hosting a workshop at your church? Contact our events team today by emailing them at training at presetministries.ca and bring the transforming power of God's Word to your community. Would you consider partnering with us in funding our new building through our Thrive campaign? To learn more and see a video tour of the new building, visit our website at www.presetministries.ca slash thrive. Stay tuned for episode two of our podcast series, Is Anxiety Calling You? Hello, everyone. Mark Sheldrake here with uh, Paige Fury. It's Unlocking the Truth podcast. We're working through a three-week session together on uh, anxiety. We're looking at the problem already. We're going for what does the Bible say, and then what are some practical tips for how to deal with anxiety in the world. And this week, Paige, we have a special guest, don't we? We do. Who is it? Um, we have Pastor Jeremy Hicken in here with us, and he is the youth pastor at the church that I attend, Central Baptist Church. So maybe do you just want to introduce yourself and let us know a little bit about who you are? Well, first off, you did pronounce it right, so I'm very impressed. That's a good yes. thing. Not everybody can do that. <laughs> but um, my name is Jeremy Hickenen, and I'm an associate pastor at Central, and I have oversight of our youth program and also biblical counseling at the church. So that's what I do, and that keeps my days very, very busy. Mm-hmm. That and I have two little ones, and I've got one on the way. So November, we're going to have a third Hakenin in the household. Uh Uh-oh. Busy, busy times. Yes, very very busy 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 times. Well, we're excited to have you because uh, we have been discussing through this whole um, topic of anxiety, and and, uh, even the pastor of the church a few weeks ago uh, addressed anxiety from the from the pulpit. We talked about that last last uh, podcast, just how um, you know anxiety and worry and all of those things are elevating our plans above God's plans. And uh, I thought it was a really good um, kind of analogy of what's going on in the world. Even Paige was expressing in the podcast last uh, time we were together that young students and people, uh, the pressures from the world upon them to um, just uh, be in a certain plan and get to a certain position by a certain time creates a lot of anxiety. Even for younger children, I was mentioning my 14-year-old daughter has got the pressures of, you know, choosing career paths and courses and Mm -hmm. where you want to go from there. So what's been your... um, experience in just as a biblical counseling end if that's keeping you busy not just among young people but adults with when it comes to anxiety yeah i find that for so many people we would like to think it's our circumstances but more god's word it shows it's the orientation of our heart and because people can go through similar circumstances and respond completely different and so it shows us it's not always my circumstances can create an environment for my heart to come forward, but it's about what I truly value in my heart that's going to cause me to respond. Anxiety is almost a lens through which I choose to see life circumstances. Mm. 
And I'm either going to choose to do that with God or I'm going to choose to do it without God. And when my heart is not oriented towards God, I have to figure out all the answers to life's questions on my own. And Mm. yeah, that's going to make anybody (laughs) anxious and worried and concerned about so many things in life that we weren't created to take that burden. Right. So this is not just a world problem where... You know, we have people who are not Christian who are dealing with anxieties because they're not within, you know, that position of being called a child of God. But this is even a problem within the four walls of the church where individuals as Christians struggling with anxieties. Mm -hmm. Yes, Hmm. I would definitely agree that just because you're a Christian does not mean that you won't struggle with this or that you shouldn't struggle with it. But as a Christian, I do believe we should struggle with it differently than those without Christ, that belonging to him, being that child of his, makes a big difference, or at least should. And sometimes we we lose focus on that, and we get shamed because of where we are, or we don't want to let people know the true state of our heart, which is very unfortunate amongst God's people, because then it causes us to deal with it alone, and isolation is not a good place to Mm. deal with anxiety Mm. and the rehearsals of my mind and desires of my heart. Yeah, it seems like that's where it would be a whole lot worse all by yourself, Mm -hmm. just letting your mind run, 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 run Uh with whatever's going on, and that's where you're creating a lot of that deeper thought process of you're putting yourself deeper in the hole than you you might actually be. So, um, Paige, as you were kind of researching this as well, what did you, did you find any characters within the Bible that would have fit that mold of, hey, they, they may have dealt with anxiety. Yeah, um, I think one that was really interesting, and this was something that I had seen in another article. In Matthew, we see um, the men who are all given the same amount of talents, and one man is afraid, and so he buries what he is given, and he brings it back, and he says, I was afraid, I didn't want to mess it up, and so here it is. And nothing has grown, nothing has changed, it just is what it is. And this article was just pointing out that through his worry, it resulted in laziness. He could have done so much more, but out of fear, just did the bare minimum, buried it, and then gave it back. And so we had kind of talked about this in the last podcast as well. Often our anxieties and our fear, our response to that does result in laziness because we're not doing what we can because we're more focused on ourselves and the result for us instead of having a biblical eternal perspective that looks past what's happening right in front of us. Hmm. I always wondered about Moses as well. You think about Moses and God, you know, first speaking to him at the burning bush and then given the command to take the Egyptians, you know, to bring the uh, Israelites out of Egypt and the excuses that he put before God, you know, that, um, uh, he couldn't do it, you know, he couldn't speak well, all of those things. What what was going on with inside that man's mind at the time of this is a really big task to pull these um, Israel out, Israelites out of 400 years of slavery that God was calling him to do it, um, and yet he found every reason why not to, yet God kept going back and giving him promise after promise, I'll be with you, I'll provide for you, I'll give you um, Aaron to, to speak for you, and um, all you got to do is follow what I'm calling you to do, and all will be good. What are, what are your thoughts? 
Yeah, when Paige and I were talking about characters, you could pretty much pick any character in God's great story of redemption because the word that's used in the New Testament is a combination of two words, which means a divided mind. Mm. And really, that's when we get anxious is when we choose to value something more than God and his kingdom and living for him. And when that becomes more, that's when Jesus gives that whole example of look at the birds, like consider the lilies, and he uses Solomon as an example that... You know, if God can take care of these people, if God can, can take care of these animals, aren't you of more value to them? And I think that that really hits us all is that we get anxious and worried about the things that we truly value or the things that we think that are most important. And so you can pick any character in God's word, even Paul in the New Testament mm. in Philippians <laughs> said that, you know, he was thankful to hear of the report from Epaphroditus because it made him less anxious. And so this giant, like the Apostle Paul was not, you know, exempt from the temptation to think, oh, what is going to go on? I don't know how this is going to work out. I've got to try and figure this out. And even in his writing, he says that, yeah, those were the circumstances, but my mind needs to be focused on what God has said and what God would have me do. Just like Paige mentioned, that was a great example that then sometimes it leads us to not do the things that we are supposed to do. And we see many characters when they start to get off God's path for them, they do struggle in areas of, of sin and, and temptation that draws them away from God as opposed to to him and what he's asked them to do. Right. And I remember when I was pastoring full time and I would constantly tell people that they would come to me and I would say, you know, I'm not a biblical counselor. I don't have the skill set to walk you through this. Just a few weeks ago, I even had somebody here in, in the building just kind of um, pouring out their heart to me. And I was like, oh my goodness, I, you know, I'm not a biblical counselor, but I do know the word of God. I can give you some verses from the word of God. But beyond that, I can't walk you through this um, time in your life. You probably should go and see a biblical counselor. And so I'm thinking about all the people that are even in the same position as I am, that might be able to pull verses from the scriptures, tell people to read, you know, the Bible. But even I know that others that have dealt with very, um, with anxiety and difficult times, this is not one of the first places they want to go. And so what would be the response to that to say, here's what the value is in the word of God, and this is what the Bible says about anxiety. Mm -hmm. One of the places that I really go to that helps people, helps me understand, is that God's word is the only source that promises us he has given us everything we need for life and godliness mm -hmm. through the great and precious promises of Jesus Christ, what he's done, that by trusting them, we can escape the corruption and sin that's around us. And so for me, that, that verse in, in Peter really has a lot of weight to me that if I've been given everything I need truly for life and godliness in his word through his promises, then I do need to look there. But just like everybody else, sometimes it's my last resort. I get so busy trying to do or trying to feel differently that I don't go to God's word. And so that's really what is a big part to me, that that verse catches my attention and says, God has given you what you need for life and godliness. And it's a matter of then living by faith over my feelings. 
because a lot of times anxiety is me following my, following my emotional response to life circumstances where God calls me to live by faith, that his word is more true than maybe how I feel or what I've experienced or what I am experiencing or what other people tell me about how I should respond to what I'm experiencing. This is the thing, is that most people don't want other people to tell them what to do, right? When mm -hmm. they're in that situation, they, they're looking for a listening ear. And if you like throw a Bible study in their face, it's mm -hmm. pretty much like, okay, you're, you're not going to go to that Bible study, for example. You know, like we have, Precept has over 380 resources and Bible studies that you can uh, use. We have a, a Bible study called Lord Heal My Hurts, where people have studied that book. And, I, and I've met people who have gone through abuse situations and very difficult situations and have studied through the verses that are within that Bible study and being able to look their abuser in the face and forgive them. But it's not like you can just throw that in front of them. So mm -hmm. um, it's like walking with them through that um, path of the scriptures to get them to the point of um, where they'll see the truth of God's word and then apply that to their lives and then continue to move on. Yeah, and I definitely agree. You have to be honest about your circumstances, and you have to be honest where you are. And you can read through Psalms, and David was not afraid to share the accurate state of his heart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In many ways. And then once you go through that, then it's a matter of what is my heart's response to those circumstances? What is it that I'm believing? What is it that I'm constantly rehearsing over and over in my mind? What is it that I'm desiring so badly that has become my my main value in life and then checking out that's where the word of God comes into play of what does it look like for me to have a Christ-like response in this and I think that a lot of times we just try to act as if we aren't really affected by the things in our lives and so we have this facade that everything's okay or that I'm not dealing with it and we don't go through the proper process of being honest about the present state of my heart. And I think we see that, especially in the church. Um, I think, especially watching, looking at my parents, they grew up in a very traditional background. And so it was often, you know, if you are struggling with something, then like you don't love God enough or you're not the perfect Christian. And so we, again, we take that mindset on and it's, it's difficult to be honest with ourselves because we tell everyone else that it's fine, even if it's not so that we almost convince ourselves that it's fine and it's it's again it brings us back to that we're alone we're isolated and we can't seek proper help because we're not willing to accept where we are and find help from others which again we 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 don't see that anywhere in scripture being the way that you deal with it it's very interesting because there's almost a controversial part that i and then i want to go back to the bible is um the the whole concept of anxiety and what the medical world has to say about it you know whether you take uh, antidepressant medication or things like that some some within the christian world are like that's n christians don't take medication for their anxiety or they should just be praying those things away and that god will take care of those things or you just get into the bible more and that will solve all the problems so i from a biblical counselor point of view, what are your thoughts on 
kind of those other um, ways of treating this in a temporary, because you know those things, ho hopefully medications like that would be temporary. You'd be able to come off of them and go and live about your life or whatever the case is. But what, from a biblical counselor point of view, does medication play? Mm -hmm. I think you, you hit on, and many biblical counselors might disagree or agree with me on this, but where I've kind of landed is I, I think it's a, it can be used as a short term, but it's, it's not meant to be a long-term solution. That if we just medicate the symptoms, we'd never really get to the heart. Mm -hmm. And that's what Jesus was always concerned about is, is the heart. And in Mark chapter 7, he talks about what comes out of a man is what defiles him. That's where the problem is. It's, it's from within. It's what am I truly valuing? And that's when I get in the issues. The, and God has made us so wonderfully that we do express what is in our hearts. But if we just try to deal with the external then we're never going to truly fit and fix and take a look at what is it that's going on in my heart that I'm questioning? Am I questioning God's ability to provide for me? Am I questioning his goodness? Am I questioning the promises he's made? And I think that that's really what Jesus is talking about in, uh, in Matthew when he talks about that in the Sermon on the Mount is he's saying, listen, when you live in my kingdom as with me as your king, it's going to look different. And so how you respond to these things is meant to be different. And that's how he goes through and, and talks about value and, and like I said earlier. Um, but I really think that medication, sometimes we can look to as a false savior, hmm. thinking that this is going to take away my problems. Whereas it might be helpful for a time to be able to get out of the chaos of wherever you're in to be able to function again. But biblically... It says that the heart is where we really need to get. Right. And so if it can help in a process to help get you there, then, yeah, then that might be beneficial for you. But if it becomes something that you think that this is going to take away my issues or if it dulls your ability to think critically about what is really going on, mm -hmm. then it's not going to be helpful in the long run. I really like what you said earlier about the whole lenses. You know, you're when you're looking at the world, you you sort of got the anxiety glasses on, so to speak. And mm -hmm. so everything is looking different. And the whole goal really from the biblical perspective is to st to get that biblical worldview, to start viewing the world um through the eyes of the scripture. And uh that's really important because um, that's what precept is all about. Precept is all about teaching people how to study the Bible to give themselves a really good biblical worldview that can rely on what they're seeing in the scriptures versus what everybody's telling them about the scriptures. Mm. And that's a really important thing, especially in the, in the day and age. And I think of the book of 2 Timothy, where it talks about how uh, people will amass for themselves teachers who want you know, where they want to get their ears tickled. Mm -hmm. And that's not moving towards the biblical worldview. That's moving towards, you're telling me what I want to hear, which makes me feel good for now, but it doesn't really get to the root of the problem mm -hmm. either. And so um, one of the other verses in page you and Jeremy could probably touch on this is when we get to um, dealing with people who are struggling with these things, we always go to the book of James 
and you know, we always, you, you need to consider it joy mm-hmm. that you're going through these trials. Do you know what I mean? Like there's mm-hmm. these staple verses within the Bible that we pull out of context basically and we, we start to give those to people. Cast your anxieties on him or it's going to be okay. Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, you start painting it all on, on, a, uh-huh. on a piece of wood and giving it to them. But what we want people to understand is, like, these verses within context are really important for us to, to get through. Those. And what James is telling us when he says, consider it all joy, how does one get to that joy um, when they're in the midst of anxiety? I think that it's not in the middle of it. Um, I think of my aunt who, um, her daughter was very sick when she was born and she had someone send her, she was telling me the story. She had someone send her the song blessings by Laura story. And she said like, at the time I was like, I don't want my blessings to come through raindrops. Like I don't want my healing to come through tears. Like I want my daughter to be alive. And so it's not like in the middle of like, oh no, I'm struggling, that then we're just saying, well, consider it all joy, because it's not joyful in that moment. And sometimes that's okay, that it's not. Not everything is going to be perfect. But it's, again, it's it's practicing and disciplining ourselves to look with that eternal perspective, so that as we're growing and we know God more, that is on the forefront of our mind, even in difficult situations that we can accept as difficult and say, this is not the most joyous thing that I planned on happening, but I've disciplined myself to know who God is and to still say, okay, there is joy because God does have a plan. And it's not just in the moment we're saying, well, it's joyful and I'm completely fine and I don't care. <laughs> but I don't know kind of what you think about that, Jeremy. Yeah, I think that joy, when you mentioned that, I think of the book of Philippians because here is this this writer, Paul, who's talking about joy and these people are partners in the gospel. They are Christians, but it's how, how do you live in the time between? Mm-hmm. And here is Paul that says it's about coming back to even the definition of, of anxiety is it comes back to this one mind. Mm-hmm. What is it? Have the same mind that is yours in Christ Jesus. What does God say about your circumstances? And that's where the word of God is the only place that we can go to to have our minds renewed according to the scripture. And so in the process of becoming a believer and going through all of that hardship that Paul went through, he talks about joy coming at the end, but the process is in the middle. It looks like something to partner in the gospel. It looks like something to have the mind of Christ. And that is to humbly put others' needs ahead of my own and to obey God even when it doesn't feel good. And then he goes through in chapter 2 and and expresses that and then gives two physical examples in Timothy and Epaphroditus that here are two guys that have done this. Because sometimes we say, oh, well, that's Jesus, and I can never do that because I'm not Jesus. Mm -hmm. But then Paul says, well, here are some physical examples of one guy that actually grew up in your area, and he's doing it by faith, Mm -hmm. that coming back to the promises in God's word and seeing that the mind of Christ looks like something and searching the scripture for those things because we look at the book and we talk about joy and joy and he talks about rejoicing and and all this stuff and that's almost the end result of partnering in the gospel and having the mind of christ Mm -hmm. so that you can say just like paul did in the first chapter all of this has served to advance the gospel 
you never go into the first conversation with somebody that's suffering and jump there. It's Romans 8, 28, right? We all love to jump there, but you don't see Romans 8, 17 to 27 that talks about the fact that the world groans, that we are all groaning at the, the effect of sin. And one of the things that our culture doesn't do very well is mourn mm-hmm. over suffering. Mm-hmm. And so in being honest about the truth of how sin affects each and every one of us, whether it's by my own choice or by the fact that I live in a sin-cursed world with sin-cursed people, that... Yes, where I'm living is broken, and we have to start there, that things aren't right, and the only way to make it right is through the gospel of Jesus and the difference that he makes as a partner in the gospel from the first day when I get saved all, the, all through to the rest of my life. Yeah, and I think a lot of that, too, is, is recognizing and focusing on the fact, and this is kind of what we said before, it's a biblical worldview. It's not a religious practice. It's not that we now become better Christians because we're able to know God's word and we showed up to church on Sunday and we've now like conquered having feelings of anxiety. A biblical worldview means that it, that it is every day. So, so Jeremy, I think it's important because um, there's a process to get to that biblical worldview. And um, uh, I've seen in all of my travels across the country, the one thing I hear a lot from from the pulpit and pastors they they say you got to read your bible you got to read your bible you go home and read read your bible you know uh or get a bible reading plan and start a bible reading plan and there's all these kind of broad range things that we give people and i'm guilty of this as a pastor as well that we give people for the practicals of getting that biblical worldview. You know, we want people to get into the word and read it, but some reading plans are like, you know, an Old Testament passage, a New Testament passage, a Psalm and a proverb, and you're done in 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a whole generation of people that count on developing their biblical worldview by that little daily bread Mm -hmm. um, booklet, which I'm not against the daily bread booklet. I think that... um, but it's a little devotional. And so what are some ways that you would guide people into developing that practical biblical worldview? Mm-hmm. Well, I agree. And my training is coming back and screaming in my ear that context is king. <laughs> and it's so important that you read not just small pieces of scripture, but also large portions of scripture. And you read it to get a context and you read it to see the flow of everything and and that's something that we're even trying to do with our teens where we pick a book each year and we study through it we read through it multiple times because I know I didn't get everything the first time through and so spending time in a section trying to understand that this is not just a story this is a historical account of what has taken place the human experience Jesus Christ the story of redemption all of this stuff pointing to Jesus and realizing that this was a real person writing to real people about real issues. Mm-hmm. And so trying to then find, look at an application as well to my life, just not, this is not just a history book, but this is, you know, the thing that equips me for every situation, like it says in Second Timothy. And so helpfully, hopefully trying to do that as they take a look at, at larger portions and, you know, some of the smaller ones, that's good, too. Sometimes you only have time for that. But it being based off of what is the context of what I'm reading. And, you know, 
what do we what do we tell people? Because we have a number of people that probably listen to this, and uh, they might have people outside of their or within their circle and outside their circle that are looking for the quick fix. Mm. And you know, the quick fix to the problem. Um, how do we let people know? that it, the, it is a process. Developing that biblical worldview is not like a Dr. Phil quick fix type of, you know, 10-step book. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. And Paul, when he's writing to the Thessalonians, kind of outlines it with, first you have to become a disciple. And that looks like something. That means you're a follower, but then you imitate Jesus and you imitate those who look like him. And then you become an example. And that is not a quick fix. It's mm. not overnight sometimes, but sometimes God does choose to work in that way in some people. And we've all heard the stories of people that were changed dramatically overnight and praise the Lord for that. But at the same time, what we like, what I like to share with people is we didn't get here overnight and we're probably not going to get out of this overnight. And I think that that's healthy. It's not, am I perfect, but do I have a progression in the right direction? And is it consistent in that? So one of the ways that I help counselees, because sometimes they'll come in and they'll be really frustrated, I'll ask them, well, how would you have dealt with this three months ago? Mm -hmm. How would you have dealt with this one year ago, six years ago? And usually then at that point, they're like, oh, okay. Now I can see some of the growth and some of the change and some of the differences that walking by faith is producing in my life. And it's not that quick overnight all the time. It's sometimes taking a look at that. And am I more like Jesus today than I was yesterday, three months ago, one year ago, six years ago, however long this has been something in, that's been going on in their hearts and lives. So you've got somebody now who's listening to this podcast and is saying, do you know, a lot of what they're talking about sounds just like me. Where, where do they start? Where do they go from, you know, clicking stop on this on iTunes or wherever they're listening? And where do they start in this 66 books to start, you know, developing that biblical worldview? That's a good good question to ask. I would say as we just this last year studied through the book of Philippians with our youth, I really think that it's God's inspired word for our mental health crisis mm. because it focuses on having that mind of Christ, which is so, so very important. And not only that, but here's a guy who's going through the ugly of life and he's still able to rejoice and we all want to get there. But how do we? And Philippians kind of walks you through that, even to the point of helping you exchange. Biblical transformation is not just that I stop doing what's wrong, but now I start doing what's right. And so he helps by showing you need to rejoice in what you have in the Lord and bringing your petitions to him, being honest about where you're at, and then choosing to think on the things that God has said as opposed to the things that I will rehearse in my mind. And so reading God's word, uh, Philippians is a great place to begin if somebody is here. I think there are, there are some other places as well, but I also think the thing to go along with it is to start being honest with yourself of what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And what I'll do with counselees sometimes is I will have them take out a sheet of paper and on one half of it, I will have them write out in one column, where are you at? What mm -hmm. is your heart? What are you concerned about? What do you think about most often? How many times do you think about this in a day? 
What is it that's causing the most anxiety and when does that happen? And really starting to be honest with what's going on so that then, as they're reading through God's word on the other column, they can say, this is what God says about those things. And it's a very physical, you can take it, it's tangible, it's right in front of you. And it helps to see, oh yeah, these are the things I'm struggling with, but this is the faith that I can have of what God has said. And then how do I start making that transition? And there's different things that we do to help them with the physical reminders of some of the internal struggle and, and things like that. And, and that's all part of, of the change. Just like in the Old Testament, they would put up stones. They would you know, have these reminders, these tools to help them remember what was it that God did so that when I face this again or when I'm struggling with something, I can remember the faithfulness of God even when I can't see it. I remember I, I heard a pastor preach a, a couple of months ago, uh, Pastor Norm Funk in Vancouver, and he was preaching on Hebrews chapter 10 and uh, going into chapter 11. And, uh, you know, the Hebrews, they were all falling away um, mm-hmm. from their faith and, and really struggling because they started going through suffering and persecution for what they believed. And uh, the author was sort of calling them back, you know, consider Jesus. Don't forget what he said. Um, he's better, you know, that's the theme all the way through. Better than the angels, better than the priests, better covenant, like better, 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 better. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hebrews chapter 10, I can't remember the exact verse. I think it's verse 35. He just calls them to remember, you mm-hmm. know, and he says, remember when your faith was strong. And remember the days when you were, helping the prisoners and you were serving in this way and then uh norm funk said in his sermon he says when you can't remember those days uh, because you're so far um into sort of the valley that you're you're in that you can't remember the good days of your own faith he says that's what hebrews 11 is for Hmm. he said look at hebrews 11 because when you can't remember uh your good days of faith Remember the good days of the faith of all those. And he said that's why the author wrote Hebrews 11, was so that he could point everybody back to these patriarchs of the faith who each and every one of them suffered in some way. Mm -hmm. They didn't live this glorious life that got them to the position they were in. They all lived in a way in which they were suffering. And he said, go hang on to their faith. Mm -hmm. until you can grasp your own. And he says, if you're struggling beyond that, um, in the biblical point and pulling out those guys from Hebrews 11, he says, go grab on to some of the faiths of the other faithful patriarchs like Bonhoeffer and um, Hudson Taylor and um, some of these guys of faith from the 1800s that walked through massive steps of faith and, and go live on their faith until you're restored. And so uh, it just keeps pointing back really to two things, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. One, we need to evaluate our heart, and it all starts with the heart, evaluate our heart, and then align that evaluation up to what God's word says. And that's why God's word is so important for us as individuals. And that's why Moses in Deuteronomy told the Israelites, it's your life. You know, hang on to it for your life because uh, it's going to give you everything you need. 
I think a practical step too is when we think of all this, I think a lot of it points back to that we're reading God's word with a purpose. We're not, again, reading it to just, oh, well, you need to read God's word more because that's what we do as Christians. But we're, we're accepting and we're believing God's word has all that it needs that I need for life and godliness. And so I can read it and I can trust it and I can learn. And I don't need to just use it as a last resort where I go and I say, okay, I'm really anxious today. And so now I'm going to read that I need to be anxious for nothing and I'm going to move on. But that we're reading it with a purpose to know God more. So that means we can read Genesis and we can see that God is the creator. He is sovereign and that he has given us the privilege to be made in his image. And then from that, we can then go on and realize, okay, I'm a child of God made in his image and I don't need to be anxious. And it applies to that still because we're reading God's word with a purpose to know him more and not just doing it because that's what we do as Christians. And I think that that's just a very practical way to look at it and use God's word as well. It's not just more words that we're trying to take in to have more knowledge. And if I could say just one thing kind of in closing for those that might be listening and are struggling with this. Mm -hmm. A lot of times you're filled with the fact that you're failing. Mm -hmm. And I know because I've been there as well. And I would like to challenge your your thought process to think that this is not just another moment to fail. But that this is a moment to become more like Christ. And that see your opportunities of anxiety as an opportunity to draw close to God as opposed to run from him. And I think that that is a better way of looking at this, that instead of viewing it as this is my failure, I'm a loser, I can never change, this is going to be how I'm going to live the rest of my life. Take this as an opportunity to draw close to God and to see it as an opportunity not only for the gospel to be advanced in your own life, but to become more like Jesus. Amen. Thanks for being with us, Jeremy. Much appreciated. No problem. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this time that you have given us to study and and discuss your word. Father, we think of um, this whole topic of anxiety and the difficulties that individuals uh, face when they're going through these struggles, Lord. And we know on every level that uh, each and every one of us has anxieties and But Father, we know that you are a sovereign God, that you are most high, that your Bible says that you are the provider of all. And so, Lord, we ask that uh, you would search our hearts, that you would help us to deeply rely on you, that we would be able to look at the world through a biblical worldview instead of what the world calls us to or uh, the enemy points us to look at the world. Father, we ask that um, if there are those who are listening to this that uh, are struggling with these uh, uh, feelings and thoughts, we ask that um, they would uh, seek you out as well as seek out the help of others like, like Pastor Jeremy who can guide them through this process to having a greater biblical worldview. Father, we thank you for this technological avenue that we can get this message out uh, on the importance of Um, being immersed in your word. And so we thank you again. In your name we pray. Amen. If you are interested in biblical resources for how to deal with and struggle with anxiety well, please check out some of our books and Bible studies that cover this topic. We especially recommend Lord Heal My Hurts 
our 40-minute study on breaking free from fear, and studying through the book of Philippians with our various Bible studies. Also, feel free to call us at 877-234-2030 or email us at info at preceptministries.ca anytime if you are in need of help and prayer. Thank you for listening. Unlocking the Truth is a free podcast available for you. Check out our website for more episodes at www.presetministries.ca. To help enable us to create more podcasts like this, please prayerfully consider donating to Preset Ministries Canada online at www.presetministries.ca slash answer the call.